This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. What, what? It's Monday. It's Monday of Thanksgiving week. I know many of you have already started. You've already started your prep. Maybe you've already traveled. I traveled to Texas and back uh, and had my travel plans changed for Thanksgiving week. So for that reason, I've got them on my mind. I will be with you on Monday night into Tuesday. Wasn't originally planning that, but we'll be here. And so we'll be able to talk about what will be the capper to week 11 in the NFL that is a, an actual, legit, authentic Super Bowl rematch, but it does not make up for the Super Bowl. I know you would like it to. It doesn't carry the same weight. It's not actually the same game. Although I'm sure Kansas City would love it if they could host the Super Bowl as well. Let's go! <laughs> ah, ah, ah! That's what I say, or that's how I react when I see cranberry sauce out of a can on the Thanksgiving table. (laughs) It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS sports radio. I will make a point to say this every hour uh, on this show, as well as on tonight's show into tomorrow morning, but no matter what, how bad life gets. And there are a lot of stretches for every human being where life can be pretty challenging and tough and feels bleak maybe discouraging, even at times impossible. But I am a firm believer there are always reasons to be thankful. So asking you on this edition of the show, and really this week as we start into Thanksgiving week, what are you thankful for in 2023? It's a good chance to have perspective. Uh, And I did share a couple photos this weekend of one reason I have to be thankful. So please check those out on my Twitter, Radio. While you're there, you can vote for Monday MVP. Because, well, it's another one of those eclectic mixes in the NFL, just storylines that you never see coming. And there's at least one guy in our poll that will probably never be a Monday MVP candidate again. I feel like comfortable in saying that. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Often in the NFL and really often in pro sports, we see these incredible stories of guys that have no business doing what they're doing, sort of, until you consider, hey, th- they're they're in the arena. If you're in the arena, then you at least have an ability, even if we don't see it all the time. But to be fair, when you get to the pro level, everybody's great. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting paid to play a sport. And for that reason, you worry about undrafted rookies or young guys who can sometimes have the deer in the headlights look. And it took a couple of weeks for Tommy DeVito to get real comfortable, but boy, 
well, outside of the nine sacks, he actually wasn't that comfortable on Sunday. He got sacked nine times and yet threw three touchdown passes. Jay, is he your new favorite quarterback in the oh, NFL? Gosh. No. I mean, I like him. How can you not be happy for the dude? He grew up rooting for the Giants. He still lives at home making $44,000 a week. It's awesome. I just wish it was a little earlier in the season where maybe the Giants and him could have figured it out and they're not three and eight and going for a draft pick. Well, but is that what they are? Fun. I've even stopped looking at their record anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Although, I, to be honest, I felt that way about the Broncos for years and actually earlier this season when they started out 1-5. and five, and, and now look, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Again, find us on Twitter or our Facebook page named after the show. You can vote for Monday MVP. Got a new photo up that will melt your heart. Just trust me. It will melt you. Uh, and whenever... I share. I always get a ton of responses, so you can respond if you like. We got um, responses and kind words all weekend on our social media for that reason. We're also talking football and just the crazy twists and turns from yet another Monday in the NFL where we make you a pledge that we get to every game on this first show of the work week. And we do. It's just that I feel like I could spend an hour sometimes on each individual game and don't necessarily have the opportunity. So if you don't hear us this hour, talk about your favorite game or your team, then make sure you go back and get the podcast, which is posted minutes after the show is done on both our Twitter and Facebook pages, but also you can bookmark the page. There's a bunch of different ways you can grab uh, our After Hours podcast, it's on the Odyssey app or the Odyssey website. It's also uh, part of the Apple Podcasts. I, people tell me all the time, oh, can I get your or get your podcast here? I get it there. I just know that I Google it. I don't even have a bookmark on my laptop or my phone. Every single day when I need to share links to the, to the, uh, the podcast, I just Google it. Amy Lawrence podcast, and there it is. Boom. <laughs> So so when in doubt, that's easy as well. Or if you're like Bob and you ask Siri to do everything, including compose your text messages when you're driving, fine. You can find the podcast with Siri as well. Siri can pull us up? That's cool. Siri can do anything, apparently. Also, Siri's spying on you because there were times this weekend we were driving in his truck and we were not talking to her. And all of a sudden you see the little on his, his dashboard Stop screen, it. you see the prism that's like spinning around. Oh, that means she's active. And so at, at one point, we're having a conversation, and she's she's popped up. She's listening. And so I said, go to sleep, Siri. And she kind of, she minimized. And then Bob said, it's, it's his voice, obviously, that talks to her on a regular basis. Bob said, go to sleep, Siri. Poof, the little prism disappeared. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> horrifying. She was I, trying to I, listen. She was spying. She was literally listening. Oh, come on. You know those smart speakers spy on you at your house, right? Unless, yeah. In fact, I've even heard that you can turn them off and they're still recording what you're saying. I believe it. I mean, I've I've had conversations about just stuff, not searching to my stuff, phone or anything. Just stuff? Just anything. And then I, Essential oils? Sure. Essential oils. I'm talking about essential oils. Great conversation. And then, and then, I, and then like I go on to Twitter or X or something a couple hours later. Lavender? There, lavender. Lavender. Right there. It Never searched up. it in my phone. Ever. 
There it is. No, they're definitely spying on you. So we have evidence that Siri was spying on our conversation and eavesdropping when we were driving. And not until he said, go to sleep, Siri. And I asked him, do you say that to her a lot? And he's like, no, I've never tried it before. First time. Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm telling you, she would just like randomly, almost like, ooh, I wonder if they'll even notice that I'm listening. But when she's active, the little icon little is thing, spinning yeah. on the, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow, I got to watch my, my Alexa now. Oh, come on. You have to know they're listening all the time. I'm, I assume that they did. Like, I kind of know it. But to, if I'm, like, not paying attention to it and I see the little yeah. bar spinning. Just be careful. Yeah, exactly. No, the bar. Right. Uh, just be careful now because you'll be talking about what you want to do for Christmas shopping. Black Friday is nearly upon us. Whatever you're talking about, they are keeping very meticulous records of your conversations and selling them to the Chinese. I don't like this. (laughs) Jay. Welcome to 2023. I know. Okay. <laughs> I knew. I always knew it existed, but to like hear it like that, like so blatant. Uh, Seriously, scary. she just like popped up a few times, and we finally had to tell her to get lost. Get lost, Siri. All right, coming up this hour, we're gonna right now dive into Sunday night football uh, because we have a new hottest team in the NFL. It was the Vikings. They had five wins wins in a row. They were on. The road in Denver in the Mile High City, but also one game we haven't gotten to yet. Who's a doozy for the Lions and the Bears? Welcome back to Justin Fields. Plus the Packers, have they found a formula? So we'll do a little AFC North something something. Also this hour, we want to bring back a bit of the Niners because they look like a juggernaut again. And it was one of the games of the week. You all were very excited. It was ugly as sin, but a win is a win, is a win, is a win. Oh, that rhymed. What a way to start out Thanksgiving week. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, NFC North on tap. And it was the Minnesota Vikings who were on the road in the Mile High City. The Josh Dobbs experience continues. Third and short from the Broncos three, and Dobbs goes play action. Rolls out to the right. Jonathan Cooper's all over him. Dobbs goes down to his knees to the end zone. Touchdown! Josh Dobbs to Josh Oliver, and the Minnesota Vikings have taken the lead 6-3, and they had Josh dead to rights. But he's so strong he wouldn't go down, and the Vikings lead. Dobbs gets the snap, back to pass. Dobbs looking, steps up, he's going to run. Dobbs to the five, Dobbs is into the end zone. Touchdown, Vikings. Josh Dobbs with a 10-yard touchdown run. It's his sixth touchdown scamper of the year, and the Vikings extend the lead. 7.55 to go third quarter, 16-9 Minnesota. First, Paul Allen on Vikings Radio, and then Ryan Radke on Westwood One. And, yeah, the Dobbs toughness, the elusiveness, the dude refuses to die. And and I don't mean literally, although I hope that's the case, too. He just refuses to get tackled. He, He does not live to fight another day or another play, maybe because he's so used to having to wait his turn and wait his opportunity. And now that it's here, he is freaking carpe diem. He is seizing the day, and he's doing it with gusto. I mean, the man is attacking the opportunity with the Vikings. And so for that reason, we get to see his athleticism. He's, I mean, he's actually deceptively fast. You wouldn't look at him and think he's a real fast dude, uh, but he definitely is. And, I mean, he's got 
followers on TikTok that are along for the ride with the NFL experience. So, yes, the Vikings are up 17-9. Meanwhile, the Broncos can do a whole lot of zip on defense, as in zilch. Uh, They finished this game 2-for-12 on third down. Not a recipe for success. But the major turning point comes on a pair of Vikings turnovers in the second half. So late third, early fourth quarters, they lead to only field goals, but they are extended possessions for the Broncos. And they kind of find that momentum, a feel, just a little bit. Keeping it close, hanging around late in the fourth quarter. You remember earlier, maybe a previous life for Russell Wilson, how often he used to spark fourth quarter comebacks? That was one of the things that he did a ton with the Seahawks. So dramatic because of the way that he plays football. And so there is Denver getting the ball back with 317 to go in the game. And just when you think you've got him on the ropes, Cortland Sutton to the rescue. Vikings still with seventh in line of scrimmage. They bring four. Russ in the pocket. Bounces around. Run if you can. He floats the ball for Cortland, who makes a one-handed catch. Penalty flag thrown. And this, I think, will be holding or pass interference. Miraculous catch by Cortland to the 45 with Ivan Pace Jr. covering him. All-out blitz on the way. Get it up, Russ. Russ throws the ball to the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Denver. That is Cortland Sutton, his eighth red zone touchdown of the year. 15-yard touchdown, Wilson to Sutton. He went up over Makai Blackman. And the Broncos with 63 seconds left are in front of the Vikings 21-20. Once I saw it coming to me, I was like, I know I got to, like, I can't wait for this to come down. You know, it was, I knew I knew you know there was defenders around me, so I had to go, you know, try to make a play. But um, it did, it was, it was up in the air. And you never know, like, you go run your route and you never know where the ball's going to go because everybody, you know, we have great weapons on our offense. And, you know, you never know who, where, you know, where the ball's going to go, who it's going to find. And so, you know, I looked up and I saw the ball finding me. It was, it was nice. Well, kind of. That's Cortland Sutton explaining his perspective as he's roaming through the end zone. But the thing is, once he saw the ball coming to him, he he's able to push off on one foot. This awesome leaping, stretching move in which he's able to haul in the touchdown. For every drop we see on any given Sunday, and there are plenty, you think, oh, sorry, the ball hit you in the hands. You also see wide receivers and pass catchers who they will go all out. I mean, it's instinctual, of course, but he kind of has this running hop onto one foot and catapults himself up into the air, like almost like he's on a trampoline. And as he's doing it, he's stretching out to the left and is able to haul in this ball. Uh, Awesome. And he does it to cap the 75-yard drive late in the game. The Vikings did have one more possession. It was about a minute to go in the game, and the Broncos are able to stop them on fourth down and seal the win. Dave Logan with the calls on the Broncos radio network. Yeah, this is a big deal for Denver because it's the first time in a long time that they've had four consecutive wins. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, good combination so far. First of all, I think it's belief. Second of all, I think it's execution. And third of all, uh, it's having a a mentality that, um, you know, we're going to win the game. You know, I think that's just the key. And um, and I think that for me, it's all about the teammates. You know, those guys making great plays. Protecting the football. Look, it was a big reason why we won last Monday night. 
you know, that, that number was, I think, four to one. Um, you know, if it hadn't been tonight, you know, three, then obviously the, that result would have been different. It's not perfect. We're not talking Brock Purdy perfect passer rating here. That's that's not even remotely the case. And as I say, they were they were pretty rough. In fact, flat out brutal on third down and offense until that late stage. But when you do have weapons the way that they do, now they weren't able to run the ball. Uh, the Vikings stuffed the run. Javante Williams just had a handful of yards. And Russ didn't have great numbers, but he can still fling the ball. And he does clearly have a good rapport with both Jerry Judy and that Cortland Sutton connection is developing now. And Sean Payton has brought out this fight and this ability. And as we talked to Brandon Cristal, who joined us in the first hour from Denver, uh, he is the anchor reporter, Broncos insider for KOA in Colorado. One thing he said is that you wouldn't necessarily look at this and, and say, Hey, they've, captured lightning in a bottle, right? But what's happening is as they win these games with late, either come from behind victories or with late field goals or just the fact that they stink for a good portion of the game, but then they're able to pull out a win, you know what it does? It reminds you you're never out of it. It reminds you that you always have skin in the game. As long as you are still out there and there's still time left on the clock, well, you have a chance to win. And honestly, that's so true in the NFL. We say it a lot, you know, the – You never know what's going to happen from half to half. You could say quarter to quarter in the NFL the way things are right now. And that belief is what Russell Wilson is talking about. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, For Josh Dobbs, the winning comes to an end, at least for now. The Vikings drop this game, uh, but still love to see him out there. And the Vikings are still right in the mix in the NFC North. You know, you give them three points on the first drive of the game, right? You're driving, you, you fumble, they go down and score. The, you, they go down and kick another field goal. And then um, I give them a short field um, late in the fourth quarter, man. Like, that's what the game came down to. So it's those three plays of figuring out how we can be better, how I can be better, um, and cleaning up those issues. And we do that. And the, we do the same thing on the rest of the plays. We'll be in good shape. So the Vikings are still above 500. They're six and five, second place in the NFC North. They had won five in a row. The Broncos, as ugly as it can be at times, the defense is playing extremely well, and they're forcing turnovers. Lots of takeaways for that Broncos D. They're now back to 500. It's been a long time since the Broncos could point to any type of a win streak like this one, but four in a row is the longest in the NFL currently. It's like every week is a new hottest team in the league, right? First, it well, not first, but going back, it was the, the Niners who started out like a house on fire. Then it was the Jaguars with five wins in a row. Then it was the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, then it was the Vikings. Now it's the Broncos who have four consecutive wins. All speaks to the fact that there's very little separation from the best of the best. I mean, there is some because they've got starting quarterbacks, elite still starting quarterbacks, um, but not a ton of separation among what I would say would be the middle of the NFL. So I call the NFL thick around the middle. You've got a few terrible teams. You've got a few really good teams, but then everybody else is kind of jumbled together and still have to settle it uh, through the next, gosh, what if it's week 11? We're talking about seven more weeks. And this coming weekend, obviously, is Thanksgiving with games on both Thursday and Friday. All right, on Twitter, A-Law Radio, our Facebook page, uh, what? Yo, young Hoku, that was where I was going with that. The, no, I wasn't. The, 
I just got ahead of myself. I was all excited. It was a good segment. I was feeling it. All right, back to reality. Your girl talks for a living and sometimes makes up words. Although Koo is someone's name in the NFL, so I guess I was in the right sport. But the Falcons are off this weekend, so I can't even I can't even really cover that up. <laughs> We're built to handle some some stuff. I should just go with easy words like stuff. (laughs) Coming up next, we're going to stay in the NFC North because the Lions, (laughs) this, this is an amazing season they're putting together. It's so much fun, too. The Lions and the Bears plus the Packers. The NFC North may not be what it was going back a couple years ago, but the fact that there are so many good characters in in the division makes it worth watching. Enjoy the sunlight. I know it's at night, but who cares? If you will. I know it's at night. (laughs) Characters. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Second and 20, 38-yard line, Bears go to work, Lions with a four-man front, spread wide, two by two, snap back to Fields, stepping up, gonna launch, down the right seam, to the end zone, to Moore for the touchdown, touchdown Bears, you will not find a prettier throw at a catch where he had a run to the ball in the paint, put it on the board baby, Bears in front, 19-14. Hits, misses, and messes. Time to talk football. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Welcome back, Justin Fields. Boy, talk about a dramatic re-entrance. 169 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing for the Bears starter. They are nearly 50% on third and fourth down, so he has the long touchdown to DJ Moore. Only a couple of sacks in there as well, so relatively clean. But because of the nature of the NFC North and because of turnovers, this was a back and forth affair. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS sports radio, Jeff Joniak with the call there on bears radio. Detroit was actually up by a couple of points at the half, despite a two Jared Goff interceptions. Uh, and then in the second half, they give up 10 more points to the bears off of two more turnovers and they come on back to back possessions. So, yeah, a little inexplicable there, playing fast and loose with the football. Not that you don't have to give credit to the defense, and we know the Bears' pass rush is formidable and can force quarterbacks into some extreme circumstances. So, in this case, not a game in which Jared Goff played clean. And for the the Lions the like as a whole, part of the reason why this was so close down the stretch is because of their four turnovers, including three picks. By Goff. So they're down 26-14 in the fourth quarter. 
But in case you were wondering, oh, yeah, Jared Goff and the Lions offense, they can hit you quickly, and it can hurt. Jared takes the snap. Back, looking, looking, stepping forward, throwing deep. Got a man, Jamison Williams. Yes. Wide open touchdown, Detroit Lions. Yes. Goff to Jamo. 32 yards on the connection, and the Lions are right back in this game. First and goal from inside the one for the Lions. They trail by five. Looking to take the lead here late. Goff is going to work out of the gun. Montgomery to his right. Jared leans in, takes the snap, hands to Montgomery, yes. heads down to the end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions! They've got the lead back! David Montgomery against his former team and the Lions. What a comeback! What a comeback! Dan Miller is fired up on Lions Radio, one of my favorite announcers in the NFL. He had to come up with a new touchdown call once Matthew Stafford was no longer a Lion because he used to be his signature call. So now he's adjusted to Jared Goff, and, man, there are a lot of weapons for the Lions. Could we call this the David Montgomery revenge game? I'm not sure if that's a thing. But have you noticed in pro sports that when an athlete either gets traded or signs with a new team because say he was discarded by his former team or they felt like he wasn't worth the money always happens that his new teammates will find a way to give him opportunities and chances because they all understand what it's like to be cast off. No one probably more than Jared Goff who was blindsided by a trade from Los Angeles to Detroit. And yet he has found a new home in the past three seasons. And I know you laugh at me. Some of you, every time I say this, Keep your eyes on him as if the Lions keep playing the way that they are, he is absolutely part of the MVP conversation. So they have a pair of quick strike 70-plus yard scoring drives. In the final three minutes, they put two touchdowns on the board. And then there is the exclamation point. And this is why the Lions are now a contender in the NFL. Because after a couple of years of scuffling through Matt Patricia defenses that were more holy than Swiss cheese, not H-O-L-E, well, H-O-L-E-Y. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not holy as in holy God or holy spirit, the other holy, <laughs> like Swiss cheese. Uh, they have a defense now, like an actual legitimate physical tough defense, and it's spearheaded by Aiden Hutchinson. Fields back, Lions rush four. Fields looking, Hutch. getting it hit. Get Get ball. Ball's loose inside Why the five. Yelling? It's kicked out of the end zone. That's a safety. No. That's a safety. <laughs> the Lions are going to win this game. Aiden Hutchinson knocked it loose. It went out of the back of the end zone. And the Lions are going to lock this one down. What a game. What a game. We got to bring our SHIT every, <laughs> every, every divisional game. You know, it's a... Uh, um, it's a, it's a tough division, man, and, and, you know, your opponents know each other so well, so we just got to continue to bring it and uh, not overlook anybody and, and, and play each, each game like it's our last. Every week is different. Every opponent's different. Every matchup is different, and you just don't know what all it's going to take to, you know, to win against that opponent. It's a lot easier to play bad and win than it is to play bad and lose. And, um, Amen. Kind of what we did today. We played not, not our best ball and not my best ball for, you know, about – three and a half quarters and find a way to make it work there at the end. It's a sign of a good team. We're a resilient group. Uh, we're tough. We, uh, <laughs> we, we have a lot of courage uh, and, and we're, we don't back down from anything. Seriously, the Jared Goff story in 2023 is great. But the Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, Aiden Hutchinson, Lions resurgence, 
I know there are still some Detroit fans who are afraid to believe it, but you should believe the culture has changed in the Motor City. These Lions are not just legit, but they are a team that can beat you a bunch of different ways. And even when they screw up, as Jared Goff talks about, it's a lot easier to to play ugly and win. But I am so impressed with their football knowledge and acumen. I, th- I feel like their IQ on this in this locker room on the on the field on this roster is really high. And and then you throw in the intangibles like the toughness and the belief and the and the confidence and the swag. They got a little bit of swag. They actually like being taken for granted as the the loser lions, the not even so lovable loser lions. So good for them. Um, but also it's good to see Justin Fields back on on the turf. I was going to say field, but that sounded weird. Uh, yeah, he has a, a a game with gaudy numbers, but a loss. We did a good job playing complimentary football. I think the defense did a good job in the first half with the uh, takeaways, and I, I think the offense did a good job of you know pushing the ball downfield, um, you know controlling the ball uh, long, like 14 play drives, long long play drives. So um, I think you know overall we did good. I think um, where we got to get better at is just the situations. I think um, you know. Of course, the two minutes before the half, that was big. And, of course, the two minutes at the end of the game. And then, you know, when, you know, offense, so we need a big play, we got to, you know, hunker down and make those big plays. Don't know how long the Justin Fields-Chicago Bears connection remains intact. It may not be beyond this season. I honestly don't know. There's lots of speculation about it. He is an incredible athlete. He's had multiple coaches and coordinators and it's been a mess there obviously. And they're still not a winning team, but he's still a lot of fun to watch on the field. It's just how often is he on the field? So in the NFC North, the lions are eight and two. They have the same number of wins as the Eagles. Seriously, say that out loud and then let it sink in. I didn't learn anything. I got verification on what I already knew. It's Thanksgiving week, Lions fans. Ooh, and Browns fans. You have a lot to be thankful for as well. Do you dare to dream in Detroit? (laughs) The Vikings are 6-5. and We talked about the Bears in the bottom of that division. That leaves the Packers. We'll get to them coming up next. Plus, Purdy, perfection from his passing performance. Yeah, it was good to see Brock Purdy back in his zone, in his groove. And also, just to clarify, Nick Boza did not console Baker Mayfield after an interception. <laughs> Wait till you hear Bosa's version of the conversation. Uh, and Brown Steelers. We'll tuck them in again before the top of the hour because it was a doozy down to the end. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Sims, tight end, left side of the line. Kraft lines up in the slot of the left. Receivers left and right. Watson to the right side. Duntavian Wicks in motion to the right. And second down snap to Love. Lofts it. Got left him. side of the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Christian Watson! Hit a Lambo leap to the south end zone. Stand. The Packers vault into the lead. Second down and eight, Green Bay at the Los Angeles 24. Packers trending by four. Under three minutes to go in the game. Love goes no huddle. Takes the snap. He has time. He's Lops got the left side. Dobbs is there. Leaping grab. Touchdown. Touchdown. In the left corner of the end zone. Oh, what a throw from Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs. And they beat Michael Davis for the lead score. It's 22-20. to 20. 
This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Love Wayne Larrabee. And he loves his Packers. Jordan, oh, love. That wasn't even on purpose. I swear, Jay's face. You should have seen Jay's face. It both dawned on us at the same time. Jordan, love. A couple of touchdowns there. Over 300 yards, which had not happened for a Packers quarterback in a long time. I'll have to go back and look because it actually was a pretty intriguing stat. But mostly, the Packers were able uh, to rally in this one. So, um, starts out with... Four lead changes. Well, they had lead changes in the first half, but like the second half really started to dial up the drama. Four lead changes in the second half. Christian Watson finally gets back in the end zone, so he has a touchdown on the last play of the third quarter with you here, which you hear there on Green Bay Radio. But then Justin Herbert is able to direct a, a touchdown drive that results in a Keenan Allen score. And so the Chargers go back in front, but then Green Bay responds with a 75-yard march that results in the Romeo Dobbs TD. It was a deep shot to Romeo, really pretty pass by Jordan Love, and it happens with just over two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And so Green Bay does come up with a fourth down stop to prevent the Chargers and Herbert and weirdly enough, <laughs> they've taken such different paths. They have the same record. They're both four and six. And so, yeah, good to see Christian Watson back in the mix. Uh, there was a, a bit of a pause, though. Aaron Jones out of the game uh, early again with a knee injury. Uh, no, it's not my ACL, so we're good there. You know, just start the recovery process, the healing process. I got to do an MRI tomorrow, see how that goes, and go from there. Part of the Packers' struggles on offense this year have been about a lack of a steady run game. And that's not the case when Aaron Jones is healthy, right? I mean, think about the last couple years of the Aaron uh, Aaron Packer, Aaron Rodgers Packers tenure. They not only had Aaron Jones, I mean, they're really a one-two punch, but they also uh, were able to consistently use the run game as a threat. And so it's a big deal for them to have that, and it's it's been missing this season in large part because of injuries. I know at times they've been able to incorporate more of A.J. Dillon, but Aaron Jones is their best running back. Remember a couple of years ago he led the NFL with 20 touchdowns? Now, Brandon Staley on the other side of this. Oh, by the way, Joey Bosa left in the first quarter in tears. So he had finally gotten healthy. He was playing really well. They only will say he has a foot injury, but he was really torn up on the sidelines. So we'll get that news coming up on Monday, I'm sure. So Brandon Staley was asked about the defense. And it's a, an exchange with a reporter. It goes on a little bit, and he just goes on and on about how this was not on the defense. This wasn't their fault. The, I called the plays for the defense and, and honestly ends up with a Hall of Flame-type rant after this reporter <laughs> just pushed all the wrong buttons. I'm not here to talk to, to the fan base. I'm here to talk to my players, the locker room. I know that we give ourselves a chance to win every single week with the game plans that we have, okay? And we have done it here. You guys act like we've never played good defense. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You act like we haven't made any improvements. Today in the run game, we played outstanding. We're rushing the quarterback well. What we got to do a better job of is in the passing game. And that's where our full attention is, and it's where it will continue to be. There were a lot of other things that caused us to lose today. It certainly wasn't our defense. It was the way we played as a team. We didn't play well on, enough on the red zone on offense. We dropped too many passes. Okay? We gave up a few killer sacks. Okay? We did this as a team. Stop making it about one unit because that's not what happened out there today. Our team lost, and I am fully responsible for it, and I take full responsibility. But we lost as a team today, and that's the storyline. Right. 
possible Hall of Flame inductee moving forward, Brennan Staley. Definitely on edge. But I would be too because he's right. They play really well in some areas every week, and then they derail themselves. They do the old proverbial shoot themselves in the foot, which I would not recommend. They are 50% on third down. They have nearly 400 yards, same number of yards as the Packers. Uh, They have 150 yards rushing, which is so frustrating because they waste that, but they go one of four in the red zone. And yeah, the Packers were able to come back and rally. And so there's there's a lot of it. There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, if you follow the Chargers in any way, you know that they find creative ways to lose. So it's never on on one unit. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. A couple of weeks ago, we were musing about the fact that the San Francisco 49ers had dropped three games in a row. So it's kind of what goes around comes around in the NFL. Well, Brock Purdy, he made history on Sunday. Second and goal, four-yard line. Juszczyk was out wide. Now he comes inside a bunch with Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Purdy looking that way right. McCaffrey wide open. Touchdown! C-M-C! Juszczyk left, going deep down the sideline for you. He's got it, and he's gone. 20, 10, 5, touchdown! San Francisco, Ayuk, Ayuk, Ayuk is on fire. Uh-huh, so is Perfect Purdy. Oh, that's a thing now. Perfect Purdy with his passing performance and his impeccable passer rating. Uh, that's the call on the Niners radio network because they like to make it all kinds of fun and chanty. Yeah, perfect passer rating for Brock Purdy, which has never happened in in uh, San Francisco 49ers history. How about that? He had, let's see, 20 attempts. So it's, Joe Montana had one going back a few years in which he only tried to pass it a handful of times. But this was 20 or more passes, the only Niners quarterback ever to throw the ball as much as he did and have a perfect passer rating. Now remember, the last, well, not, the, not last week, but... The three-game losing skid, people were pointing at Purdy as the weakest link. I was more upset with not even like that we were complacent or anything, but almost like, you know, we're just going to walk into the game and it's going to be given to us in a sense. Like, I had to get back to, man, we got to go take it. We got to go earn it every single game. It doesn't matter who we're playing. It's the NFL. Anything can happen on any Sunday. And so that's like the chip that I was talking about. And so sort of getting back to that, you know, and improving myself every drive, every play. Um that I can be the guy for this team, you know, and I have to earn it every single week at practice and meetings, whatever it may be. So um, that's the mindset of what I was talking about. And, yeah, definitely more in tune to being detailed and stuff the last couple weeks and finding that chip again. Meanwhile, they're starting to incorporate all of these different weapons again, right? Debo Samuel returned. Uh, We've seen them use – well, Christian McCaffrey, of course, gets back into the end zone after a week off – um, but Brandon Ayuk with the call and George Kittle more and more. It's been a down year for most tight ends, uh, but he's incorporated uh, back into the the offense and, and getting the ball more lately from Purdy. Why? It's a combination of bullying and just being open open more, you know. Now, um, <laughs> you know, I think we just have a lot of opportunities because the way that Brock takes care of the football and the way that he is able to um, extend plays with his feet and he just does a great job keeping his eyes up. And we're just, I feel like we're just staying on the field for a long time and being able to take those long drives. And 
Um, you know, when you're on the field for eight to ten plays and you get down to the red zone, and, you know, the defense is a little bit tired and yeah, they might mess up a coverage, which is, I mean, I've, I love being open on those nice corner balls. Those are fantastic, and Brock had a great job finding it. Yeah, it all works together, right? Because if you can wear out the opposing defense, that bodes well for you late in games if it goes down to the wire. So the Niners have put together back-to-back wins. The Seahawks end up losing on, I mean, it was a long field goal attempt by Jason Myers late in the game against the Rams. Uh, but Matthew Stafford leads the Rams on a rally in the fourth. So it's Niners at 7-3 and three, now alone in the NFC West at the, in the top spot. Seahawks fall to six and four, and the Rams are now at four and six, but not out of it because of the nature of the NFC. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Wanted to cram in one more quick look at Steelers and Browns because this was absolutely a knockdown drag out. We expected that. It was a tie game midway through the fourth quarter uh, because... They really managed just one touchdown each and a bunch of field goals. But remember, this is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and he's starting for the first time since week four in place of Deshaun Watson, and boy, did he look far more prepared. So the last chance for the Browns comes with about a minute and a half to go, and DTR, as they call him, is four for four to get the Browns into field goal range. Hewlett ready to put the ball back. Waiting. Snaps it back, ball down, Hopkins into it, flag down, kick is up, and the kick is good! With two seconds left, there's a flag down. It looks like the Steelers were offside. Two seconds left. They believed in me, they trusted me, I trusted my teammates. Uh, the biggest thing I was telling myself all game was just stay disciplined, take it one play at a time. Uh, there's times in that game where... You know, if it was week four, I would have forced it. We had a tip pick, another tip pick, or whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's going to be night and day when I get out there. I've been working my tail off, and uh, I'm just glad my teammates were there with me. Yeah, I thought throughout the entire day, I mean, as you guys know with Dorian, he doesn't lack for confidence, and I, I say that that's, that's just who he is. He's a, he's a confident kid. He, he trusts in his ability. Um, for, so from the first snap to the last snap, he was ready to roll. Good for him. I mean, the rookie spent time devoted to learning the playbook, as we heard from Mary Kay Cabot on, uh, I guess it was Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, and, and they picked him because they felt like he was more prepared than his start in week four, where he really didn't have much chance and much advance notice. And he, he wasn't ready. But despite the interception yesterday, uh, they put him in positions to succeed. And, man, that defense for the Browns is Amazing. Uh, Miles Garrett with another two sacks and three QB hits. He leads the NFL in sacks. So you had both TJ Watt and Miles Garrett on the same field, which was awesome. And don't look now. As much as I tell you that the Browns uh, are one of the hottest teams in the NFL, they are five of their last six. They've won five of their last six and now are right behind the Ravens in the AFC North. It's a doozy. I know the Bengals lost Joe Burrow, which sucks. Uh, the Steelers are six and four, and they're in third place. Browns seven and three. The Ravens are eight and three. So the Ravens have yet to take their bye. Take our poll for Monday MVP. It's up on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll talk to you tonight after Eagles Chiefs. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Boom. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.